Thanks for listening to this sermon from Garden City Methodist Church. We want to invite you to worship with us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m., either in person or online. You can come to our beautiful sanctuary at 62 Varnado Avenue, Garden City, Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. Well, today is Christ the King Sunday. It always falls the Sunday before Thanksgiving. You got to choose as a preacher. You want to preach about Christ the King or you want to preach about Thanksgiving. And I almost always choose to preach about Christ the King because I love Christ the King Sunday. It's just an opportunity to brag on Jesus. And I love it. So today we are in John chapter 18, verses 33 through 37. It's when Jesus is standing before Pilate. Right? He's about to be crucified, and he's before Pilate, who's the the governor of the Roman governor of this this place. And the the Jewish leaders, the, the Pharisees, have brought Jesus to this place because they want to crucify him. But Pilate's the one who has to make the call, right? To crucify him. So he's trying to figure out whether or not there's a legitimate case for crucifying Jesus. So we're starting at verse 33. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So are you a king? Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. (laughs) There's this kind of tidbit from history that I just love. One of my favorite wacky characters from, from the history books is this guy named Joshua Norton. You may not have heard of him. But Joshua Norton was just this guy that lived in San Francisco in the 1800s, and on September 17th, 1859, Joshua Norton decided that he did not like the direction the country was going. He didn't enjoy uh, the president and the Congress and the way they were handling things, so he decided to take matters into his own hands and delivered the following letter, declaring himself to be the emperor of these United States. He sent a a letter to Congress and to the president, and he's saying, we don't need y'all anymore. I'm the emperor now. Later on, he added on to his title, calling himself Protector of Mexico. So this guy in San Francisco was going around declaring himself to be the emperor. uh, he, He was Emperor Norton, emperor of these United States and protector of Mexico. But I mean, he was just a guy. And... The people that lived in San Francisco at the time thought he was hilarious. 
So he would go around with this big old hat and, and making these proclamations, and they would like bow to him. He even issued his own currency, and some, some restaurants in San Francisco at the time would accept his bespoke own currency in their restaurants. He made a declaration abolishing Congress and ordering the military to clear them out of the Capitol. He made a declaration saying that there was a $25 fine for anyone who called the city of San Francisco by the nickname Frisco. So if you went around saying, oh, I'm going down to Frisco, Emperor Norton slapped you with a $25 fine. And he ended up dying in extreme poverty. These folks in San Francisco threw him this huge funeral because he was, he was just this really colorful character in their town. But it turns out, I don't know if you know this or not, you can't just declare yourself emperor of the United States. You actually have to, you know, be elected to government office in the United States. You actually have to have people follow you in order to be the emperor. You can't just go around issuing declarations and expecting things to change. Because in order to be an emperor or in order to be a king or a president, you actually have to have people follow you. What Emperor Norton had in, in psychological terms is called delusions of grandeur. And I don't think it really helped his case much that other people kind of prodded him along and played along because he thought he was cute. But I just loved it. I love the idea of this guy just walking around believing that he was the emperor and can make these proclamations and everybody just ignored him. <laughs> but I get the sense that Pilate in this passage, may have been trying to figure out whether or not Jesus had delusions of grandeur. Whether Jesus was this Emperor Norton-like figure or not. Because I, I have no doubt in my mind. I mean, I, I, I'm not privy to, to Pilate's inner thoughts. But from my perspective, Pilate had a few options to think about Jesus. Jesus was either a failed revolutionary who was trying to overthrow King Herod and had given it a shot at trying to become the king of the Jews, but was kind of defeated and was now before him. So maybe Jesus was a person who just had a, a real failed revolution. Or maybe Jesus was a wacky eccentric who called himself a king, but really had delusions of grandeur. Or maybe he didn't actually call himself a king, and the Jewish leaders were just trying to frame Jesus. They were just trying to start this rumor about him because they didn't like him. And so they say, well, he's a threat to you because he says he's a king. Shouldn't you crucify him? So Pilate's sitting here trying to figure it out. Is Jesus a failed revolutionary? Is he uh, being framed? Or is he a harmless, wacky guy? I think, I think, if I'm honest, in, in, in Pilate's mind, he probably ended up on harmless, wacky guy, because Jesus is coming around saying things like, my kingdom is not from this world, and everybody who listens to the truth listens to my voice. And so I, I think that Pilate probably got the sense that Jesus was not someone to be taken seriously. 
And he said later on, he found no fault in Jesus. And I doubt he would have found no fault in Jesus if he thought Jesus was really trying to overthrow somebody and intended to lead a violent revolt. I think Pilate saw Jesus as a harmless man with delusions of grandeur. After all, Jesus said, everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate straight up asked him in verse 38, Pilate says, what is the truth? What even is truth? But see, the thing is, Jesus really is a king. He's not a failed revolutionary. He's certainly not a harmless, wacky guy. And he wasn't exactly being framed. Because there is a truth, a spiritual truth, that was behind the scenes. Things that were going on that Pilate had no access to. And if he could have just belonged to the truth, if he could have just seen the truth of what was going on in heaven at that moment, he would have known that Jesus wasn't the one with delusions of grandeur. Actually, it was Pilate who was the one with delusions of grandeur. You see, here's what was going on behind the scenes. Flip over with me, if you will, to Revelation chapter 1. Verses 5 through 8. Revelation, Revelation is a book of revealing. That's why it's called Revelation. It's revealing the things that are going on in the spiritual realm of things that we cannot necessarily see with our eyes. So this is the truth that Jesus was speaking about. This is the truth of Jesus' kingdom and the kind of king that Jesus is. This is what Pilate would have had eyes to see if only he could have. From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom, priests serving in his God and Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his account, all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who was and is and who is to come, the Almighty. This is the truth about Jesus that Pilate just couldn't get his mind around, that Jesus is the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. He made us to be a kingdom of priests, to God to the Father, to be glory of dominion forever and ever. Pilate, a human man, a frail, mortal speck in in time, was trying to judge Jesus Christ, the ruler of all kings, and decide if Jesus was the one who was legit or not. If Pilate had eyes to see the truth of the kingdom of God, he would know that Pilate himself was the one suffering from delusions of grandeur because Pilate's power and Pilate's authority couldn't hold a candle to the majesty of the one who was standing before him, whose kingdom was not from this world, but is being brought into this world. I told y'all when I first got here, I was a huge nerd. 
So I've been watching all the Marvel stuff on. I mean, I've been watching these Marvel movies since they've been coming out. There's like 30 of them now, and I've seen every one of them and all the TV shows. For 23 movies, 23 movies, everybody in these Marvel movies was chasing these things called Infinity Stones. There was these six of them. In every movie, they were fighting these bad guys because these things were supposed to be all-powerful. If you got all of them, you would have all the power in the universe, right? And they finally dealt with these as stones. And then there's this show called Loki where Loki escapes with one of these stones, and he gets in a space beyond time. And he gets there, and he says, Ha ha, I've got this stone. Now I'm going to do something. And the guy behind the desk says, Oh, another one of these things? And he pulls out a drawer with a bunch of them in there and tosses it in there and says, Some of us like to use these as paperweights. They spent 23 movies talking about how important and how powerful and how awesome these stones were only to find out that there's a place beyond time where they're just nothing they're worthless and i wonder if that's how a lot of us are going to feel after we die certainly the ones of us who are rulers and the earthly powers of this world the kings and the presidents and the rich world shakers are going to feel after they spend their whole life chasing after money and power and authority on earth. And then they will stand before Jesus and realize everything I spent my whole life trying to accomplish might as well just be a paperweight. So many of us spend our whole lives chasing after things that are absolutely pointless in the grand scheme of things. We are like our own little Emperor Nortons, declaring ourselves the emperor of our own lives, while in reality, we're just walking around making declarations that mean nothing. We're powerless. We don't have control over anything. The most powerful, richest person on the world, you're your Jeffrey Bezoses and your presidents and your rulers and your emperors cannot control what happens to them. They could drop dead tomorrow and they have no control of it. A storm can come along tomorrow and wipe everything that they have out. Every control that we think we have is an illusion. You know what blows my mind? Money is worthless. I hate thinking about this, but so I'm going to make you think about it too in order to, you know, spread around the misery some. Money is worthless. Our currency is based on nothing. Isn't that wild? That's what happens during depressions and recessions is that the public loses confidence in the dollar and the value of the dollar goes down. And then so so our money is only worth anything because collectively as a society we have decided that it is and tomorrow if we all decided that it wasn't worth anything then that worth would all go away that's so nuts that stresses me out actually and so some people say well that's why we should go back to the gold standard well who decided that gold was so great it's just a shiny rock 
the gold, if tomorrow everybody decided gold was worthless, oh, we don't care about shiny rocks anymore, then what's worth anything? What we should move to is a Star Wars action figure standard. That way I would be rich. <laughs> but money is worthless. It's just something that we've all agreed upon and we could all agree upon tomorrow that it means nothing. Power is worthless. Like for real. If everybody decided tomorrow not to follow any world leader, then all of those world leaders that have so much power today would have nothing. It, we just, we decide to follow people. We decide to give pe certain people power, but if we decided not to tomorrow, they wouldn't have any power. This is what Jesus means by storing up treasures in heaven. The values of the kingdom of God are the only things of lasting value that we have. Because Jesus is a king that does not depend on people to decide that he's powerful. He's powerful whether anybody wants him to be or not. Because he's God. Because he's the creator. Because he's got a whole host of heaven that's behind him that, that is dedicated to him. Jesus is king. This is a truth that does not depend on anything else. Jesus' power does not depend on humans to decide he's worthy of it. It doesn't depend on people to decide to follow him. He's got heavenly authority that overrules every earthly power that we've got. And all who have had their eyes open to this truth have aligned themselves with the kingdom of God, storing up treasures in heaven where rot cannot touch them, rust cannot corrupt them. We are called to recognize Jesus as our king and live under Jesus' authority, looking forward to the day when he will come again and his kingdom will be fully realized here on earth. Why is this good news? Why is it good news that everything we chase after is worthless? It's good news to us because Jesus is a good king who rules in a completely different way from the kingdoms of the world. The world works on force. The world operates through coercion. The world operates through fear. The world operates through propaganda. That's how the kings of the world hold on to their power. But Jesus, the king of all kings, operates through love. He operates through self-sacrifice. His power is a power of humility, of laying down your life for other people. So today, Christians can be a lot like Pilate sometimes, standing in judgment of Jesus, trying to decide if, if Jesus is worth our time or not, if Jesus is worth our attention or not, if Jesus is worth our devotion or not. But when we stand in ju judgment of Jesus like that, we are ones 
with delusions of grandeur. We are the ones who believe that we are better off than we really are. And Jesus is calling us to lay down our delusions of grandeur today. To lay down our dependence on systems that are coercive. And start to recognize him as our king. To follow Jesus in the example of humility, of laying down our lives for other people. To recognize that there is power in love for our neighbor, power in love for our enemy. So do you have delusions of grandeur today? Are you living as if you're in control of your life? As if the power that you've carved out for yourself in your own little corner of the world will suffice for you? Or have you submitted to the lordship of Jesus? Are you chasing after trinkets that will get you absolutely nowhere in eternity? Or are you storing up treasures in heaven? Are you praying, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Or are you under the delusion that your will will be done? Because it won't. At least not for very long. Are you operating with the worldly systems of coercion and manipulation, or are you leading with self-sacrifice and love? Because Jesus is king. The kingdom is real, and the king has ushered in his kingdom on earth, and he's coming back to finish the job. So he invites us to lay down our delusions and to submit to him as king so that we can receive an inheritance, a kingdom of priests that he is making us to be. So today, if you feel like you've been chasing after all that stuff that's not going to matter, if you feel like you've been suffering from delusions of grandeur about your own ability to control your life, I want to invite you to come to the altar today and commit to following the way of King Jesus. Commit to laying down your delusions of grandeur to follow the one who loves you and is calling you to a life of love. Let's commit to storing up our treasures in heaven this morning where our king will keep them safe. Let's pray. Jesus, King Jesus, you're a good king. God, you don't operate out of fear. You don't try to control us with coercion. You lay down yourself for us over and over. You give us grace time and time again. And yet your kingdom is forever. You rule in power and glory. God, show us the way of your kingdom. Show us how we can operate in your power. God, I pray that we will not give our allegiance to any earthly leader because they're all suffering a delusion in one way or another. But that our allegiance will be to you. Shape us and form us as disciples 
so that we might give our lives for others so that your kingdom may be on earth as it is in heaven. Give us that grace, Father. In your name I pray. Amen.